0: Somebody that has very passionate views when it comes to just about every subject, including foreign policy, is Richard Bay, a veteran TV and radio talk show host who, uh, of course, was a WABC alumnus who lost his job in part because of his vocal advocacy against United States participation in the war in Iraq these days. He's hosting a a very popular podcast called the Richard Bay Talk Podcast, which you can watch on YouTube. I subscribe. I watch it just about every week. And uh, somebody who's just as passionate is Michael Averco, independent foreign policy analyst and media critic. Uh, Richard, uh, good morning. I know it's a late night. Thanks for getting up.
1: Sure. You should be my agent
0: Well, I'll give you – if I make 10 percent of everything you get from the appearance that you're doing with me today, then I might have enough to get on the Staten Island Ferry. Um, Richard, let me begin with that argument uh, that uh, Massey and others have made that NATO – and this was something that we heard a lot from Donald Trump from during the campaign, a little less so once he became president – um, that NATO sort of outlived its usefulness when the Cold War came down. What do you make of what Congressman Massey and other non-interventionists have said with respect to NATO expansion on Russia's borders?
1: Well, it's a, it's obviously fallacious, as demonstrated by what's going on in Ukraine and uh, Russia right at this moment. I mean, to blame uh, NATO uh, for provoking uh, Putin is like blaming in The Three Little Pigs, blaming the pig that made his house out of concrete and stone uh, because he didn't want the wolf to blow it down. It's obvious here nations want to join NATO. They, Nobody twisted the arms of all the countries, <clears throat> including the Baltic states and the eastern European countries that were added. At- aid NATO. Nobody bribed them to join NATO. No, they found its purpose necessary, not a Cold War antique. And uh, Putin's unprovoked megalomaniac annihilation of a people and their country not only reinforces the necessity of this 70-year-old institution. uh, Sweden and Norway and, and the Baltic nations they all are understanding more and more the necessity of this. And as for those people like uh, Pat Buchanan, listen, one year, there are some libertarian principles uh, that I find admirable. And one year I went to the Libertarian Convention in New York uh, until the, the leader of the organization started arguing that we should have never entered World War II. Patrick Buchanan makes the same argument, that we should have stayed out of that war. Well, if you believe that, um, I, I, you know, I can have a debate with you, but I I, I I, think that's just so far out of the norm, it's not, it's not even worthwhile debating it. All
0: right, well, putting – go, okay, okay, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, putting aside the um, – foreign policy debate about 1941 America uh, let's let's talk about 2022 and Michael Averco who's a media critic and independent foreign policy analyst who's written for a wide variety of publications um, what about what Richard said there that countries want to join NATO and does he have a point that Russia's not invading any NATO countries so maybe NATO is the brick house that a lot of the pigs are fleeing to so they can avoid having that house blown down but you know blown blown Down, knocked down. Is there anything to that as far as you're concerned, Michael?
2: Not at all. Uh, NATO, unfortunately, is an aggressive, imperialistic, anti Russian bloc. The proof is uh, overwhelming. When the Soviet Union broke up, pro U.S. sentiment in Russia was. and included people like Putin. When Russia asked to join NATO first under Yeltsin and then inquiring under Putin, it was met with astonished amusement because, unfortunately, NATO uh, it thrives on anti-Russian propaganda. All you have to do is listen to the harsh rhetoric that is very biased and inaccurate. The current head Jens Stoltenberg, his predecessor Angus Fraser Now, in terms of Who's to blame, blame gaming this situation, which has been done ad nauseum? Let's look at the facts. Post-Soviet Russia showed a complete willingness to accept a neutral Ukraine within its communist-drawn boundaries. They didn't even insist that Ukraine be, for example, in the Eurasian Economic Union or Collective Security Treaty Organization. They were fine with Ukraine being neutral, but with the imperialistic, anti-Russian mindset of people in the EU and NATO, who kept pushing the anti-Russian forces in Ukraine in another direction. And if you don't believe me, but, let's go back to the last few weeks and months of Yanukovych. But, Michael,
0: ultimately, yes. keeping in mind, even if everything you said is true, it doesn't is. doesn't every, this still come down to Vladimir Putin invading a neighboring country that didn't attack Russia within its borders?
2: Um, compared to and what aboutism is to show the hypocritical reflection projection of others. Compared to, for example, uh, Iraq, uh, NATO aggression against Yugoslavia, this is far more legitimate as far as wars go. Putin can say, okay, that for years, within reason, he tried to reach an agreement where Ukraine would be a neutral, non-threatening entity, and also that the Kiev regime honored the UN-approved Minsk Protocol calling for a negotiated autonomy in Donbass, which, unfortunately, the Kiev regime its and its western back is stonewalled. So, um, you know, this is the reality of the situation. And again, uh, you know, treating him as a monster is really a laugh when uh, we see how Madeleine Albright was eulogized when she coldly said to Jane Pauley that the killing of a half million Iraqi uh, children was a worthwhile effort. So when we talk about people with blood, we are looking at Biden on his past. We're looking at the likes of uh, Wesley Clark as well and uh, Hillary Clinton. And again, this could have been prevented if, you know, um, there was an agreement that na- that Ukraine be this neutral entity and that this uh, Donbass protocol would be observed. Moreover, if the West was not pushing before you uh, interjected, Frank, Yanukovych, okay, and uh, Putin said, look, Ukraine's having problems. Why not the West and Russia and Ukraine sit down to work it out? The West's response, this is a matter of record, said, no, it's our way or the highway. The West was constantly playing a zero-sum game in Ukraine. And for the West, this meant a more anti-Russian mindset, which, never mind Russia, a lot of people in Ukraine reject.
0: Uh, Richard, I know uh, Michael said a lot there. I'm not going to ask you to respond to everything, but one aspect of uh, what he said that I am going to ask you about is... Could this have been prevented if the Western countries would have encouraged Ukraine to become sort of a an Eastern European Switzerland, a, a neutral country with no interest in joining NATO or the EU and not seen as a potential uh, a potential adversary to Vladimir Putin?
1: It is neither our place nor our purpose, uh, nor even morally acceptable for us to make decisions for a country that has its own sovereignty. But I will say this, um, you know, when the, uh, when the American Revolution overthrew the British Empire, uh, they said it was the world turned upside down. And some of the things that I just heard really do turn the world upside down. When we talk about imperialism, it is Vladimir Putin who has said, The greatest tragedy of the 20th century was the dissolution of the Soviet Union. It is Vladimir Putin who is committed to reassembling the empire that Russia uh, employed, not only during the Soviet Union, but in the czarist days. That's the imperialism. The people in Ukraine have a right to decide their own sovereignty, as do the people in Switzerland who... uh, who have joined Ukraine in this fight after spending centuries of uh, being uh, of neutrality when wars were raging, including World War II. Um, I happen to think that the solidification of NATO and the almost uh, universal, universal unanimity of its members is a good thing. It also places, again, the U.S. as leader of the free world, where we have a special place, not, not being the policeman of the world, but as the ultimate example, and not only the example, but supporter of democratic republics. Uh, our we- support to Ukraine is commensurate with our ideals. I do agree. Iraq was a tremendous mistake based upon information that was either fabricated, exaggerated, or taken out of context. And I spent half a year trying to illustrate that on the radio. So, I, you know, you have to take each war within its own context. Uh, now, and in this particular context, um, we're, we're supplying uh, one more. Just one last point. Sure. When we talk about supplying Ukraine, uh, you know, with you know, a, a couple of billion dollars from the American taxpayer, help. we we spend. Uh, three, uh, $3 billion every year um, uh, helping, milita- uh, helping Israel militarily. We spend a million dollars, a billion, excuse me, dollars this year in support of the Iron Dome. And Israel is a country that is prosperous and could well afford to pay for its own military protection.
0: Uh, Let me ask you this, Richard. Uh, George Beebe, he wrote a piece for – he was a former uh, diplomat, CIA uh, person, advisor on Russia issues to Dick Cheney. Um, He wrote a piece for Responsible Statecraft with the title, Tell Us How This War in Ukraine Ends. And he writes, as calls grow for a victory over Russia, we should examine whether such a win-lose outcome is even possible. And he quotes General Petraeus – who posed the question at the outset of the Iraq war in 2003, tell me how this ends. If you were to answer that, uh, BB or by extension Petraeus, how do you see this war ending? And what would you like to see Biden and the United States do going forward?
1: All right. I would say um, there were certainly people after Dunkirk who, who might say, including members of Churchill's own cabinet, how is this war going to end? Look at what just happened. The expeditionary force was thrown into the sea. Um, you know, we, we should we should make some sort of detente with Hitler. How is this war? War is a Pandora's box. You open it up and you don't know what's going to happen. So making a prediction, it, it's like Vietnam. Who would ever think that the, the little country of North Vietnam, with more ordnance dropped on it than was dropped in World War II, would defeat the mighty... Uh, military might of the of the strongest nation on earth nobody would ever say that so making predictions about that is 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 kind of like uh i don't know uh, being a uh a fortune teller but um well give me your hope your oh, hope you asked me what should we do okay I think May 9th is coming up, and it's a big propaganda day for Putin. Everybody's anticipating he's going to uh, have a formal declaration of war. I've been saying almost from the beginning that Joe Biden should go to Congress and ask for an authorization for the use of military force in um, Ukraine in in response to the use of chemical weapons or uh, strategic nuclear weapons, as uh, uh, President Obama did. Uh, you know, for Syria, and it doesn't mean that we that we go to war in Ukraine, but it means that when we say there is a red line, there is a there is something behind that red line. To just say, oh, it's going to be really bad if you do this, is, is right. It can't an be an empty threat. It can't be. Yeah. Well, it's got to have a threat with something behind it. Right. And if we pass that bill, which Representative Adam Kinzinger. Uh, you know, took up a few days ago. I've been saying this for weeks and we passed it on May 9th. That would be a an international message that might even overshadows Putin's celebration of his crimes in Ukraine. Uh,
0: Let me ask you, Michael, one same question. What would you like to see the United States do going forward and then uh, any reaction to what Richard just said to um, I have of
2: plenty of reaction. Mm-hmm. I'll be brief and concise as possible. First of all, I think it is very... Uh, disrespectful to refer to that holiday as propaganda. Many people consider it a sacred holiday, not only in Russia, but Israel on May 9th views that as a holiday as well. The $37 billion for the Kiev regime is much more than what Israel is getting. The $37 billion and the propaganda that Ukraine can win this and reference to what happened in Vietnam. It's coaxing some Ukrainians to fight on And it's going to mean, yes, more Russian deaths, but many more Ukrainian deaths. So it's not going to help Ukraine. And as far as Vietnam goes, U.S. had to go a bit of a ways there. That was not as easy for them. Ukraine borders Russia. It's a much different and actually easier operation in that sense. And in terms of respecting the rights of nation. There are two international agreements signed in Astana and Istanbul in 1996 and 2010, which say that while nations can have the right to determine their security situation, it should not be at the expense of another nation, okay? And then when we talk about imperialism, let's look at what the Australian foreign minister said about a red line in Solomon Islands related to China, or Jake Sullivan at the thought of Venezuela, Nicaragua, or Cuba maybe possibly hosting a Russian military uh, arsenal. So, so it's not only Russia with this mindset, and Putin does not want a recreation of the Soviet gene. That's a false. When he said that it was a great geopolitical tragedy, well, what he's specifically referring to is the way it broke up, and it caused a lot of unnecessary suffering in the way it broke up. Putin is also on record as saying those who want to return to the Russian empire are foolish, and those that uh, you know want to uh, go to the Soviet Union are misguided. Um, I don't have the exact quote, but he definitely said something like that. And the comparison of post-Soviet Russia with uh, the Soviet Union, there are just too many uh, inaccuracies in regard to that. Now, I think your question to me posed on how we can best get out of this
0: Well, or what would you like the United States to do going forward? But you know what? I'm actually going to ask you to pause, Michael. We have to take a quick break. We'll begin with you when we come back. If uh, you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking with Michael Averco. He's an independent foreign policy analyst and uh, media commentator. Uh, And Richard Bay, veteran TV and radio talk show host, former WABC radio talk show host. And uh, you could currently see and hear him on the Richard Bay Talk podcast, which if you uh, just type that in on the YouTube, it comes right up you hit the subscribe button and then every time there's a new episode you'll be alerted to it I watch just about every week and uh, I, I either I find myself agreeing, shouting at my computer screen, disagreeing uh, but I'll tell you at the end of that show when he reminisces a little bit about days from Richard's past broadcasting career, I always find myself with a smile however I feel about uh, what Richard has said in, in terms of current events. We're going to continue with Richard Bay and Michael Verco straight ahead.
1: This is the Other Side of midnight with Frank Marano 77 W.A.B.C.
0: We're talking about the situation with uh, Russia and Ukraine, and I'll tell you, um, one of the things that we don't hear much is a discussion that deviates from the normal partisan talking points that you see. Uh, on cable news and this is one of those issues where uh, if you whether you're talking about Lindsey Graham or Bob Menendez, they sound very similar in terms of policy if you watch Sean Hannity or Don Lemon, they actually sound uh, maybe not rhetorically but policy wise pretty similar when it comes to uh, this issue but there are alternative points of view so we want to at least give a proper airing to them and uh, also a, an opportunity for people that support What President Biden is doing to respond? Michael Averco is here. He's an independent foreign policy analyst and a media critic. Richard Bay is here, veteran TV and radio talk show host. Michael, we were talking to you. um, What would you like to see the United States do prospectively? And how do you think this this crisis ends? Okay, well, as long as the Biden
2: administration is in office, unfortunately, this is going to go on. The good news is there's a good chance that he's not going to be president. The Republicans don't have as much of a neocon, neoliberal influence, and right now, a uh, DeSantis-Trump influence seems to be getting the upper hand. In one of my recent articles, my next to last one, I sort of made a loose and I stress loose analogy to what happened when we went from Johnson to Nixon and then from Carter to um, Reagan, at least when it came to East-West relations. Johnson heightened the war in Vietnam. Nixon gradually, uh, you know, Brought that to an uh, end and uh, improved relations with the East, both. Soviet Union and China, both of them warring each other at the time. Uh, conversely, uh, Carter's uh, policy, uh, and Biden reminds me of a sort of latter-day Carter, very uh, provocative towards the Soviet Union. He funded the Afghan Mujahideen, and we later found out how bad they were. And believe me, these uh, some of these people in Kiev regime-controlled Ukraine are quite unsavory, and uh, this is the reason why the war is uh, going on. So I think, you know, unfortunately, Unfortunately, we have to wait this out with Biden. The proof of the pudding is this. Pelosi led that Democratic delegation to Kiev. And like a day or two later, Zelensky, communication PR guy, whatever you want to call him, Aristovich, who worked with Zelensky when they were both in the entertainment industry, he had the ballsy statement of... Well, we're not going to negotiate on with Russia until they uh, surrender. Talk about chutzpah. Now, this is what I think will happen, okay, eventually, one way or the other. You know, Trump said, and the Pope has hinted to this, too, that it could have been averted, but now the settlement that's going to happen is going to be different from something that could have happened, and it's to the detriment of the Kiev regime. This is why Zelensky's legacy is going to go down along the lines of, uh, say, Michael Avenatti. Uh, Unfortunately for the Kiev regime, what's going to happen is Donbass is, you know, going to be pretty much uh, independent, or at the very least, get a lot of autonomy. And I think that, you know, if there's going to be a settlement, because there are a lot of people in Donbass who are very pro-Russian, and there was a good article written by a Russian about this, they're apprehensive about showing their pro-Russian sentiment, because they say to themselves, what happens if the Russians withdraw? The Kiev regime, neo-Nazis are taking names, they can get screwed. So I I think Russia is going to insist that, um, you know, under a uh, settlement or maybe even possible ceasefire, I think more of a settlement, there's going to have to be a continuation of Russian troops there. And if you're insulted by that, well, unfortunately, might does make right. We have U.S. troops In Okinawa, we still have them in uh, Germany, and despite requests by the Iraqi parliament, we're still in Iraq. So there definitely has to be a continued Russian military presence in Donbass. Uh, Maybe there can be an agree to disagreement on uh, Crimea. In terms of denazifying Ukraine, well, ideally, this is something that the Ukrainians should uh, handle, and I'm hoping that earnest people in the United States are going to start seeing the kind of unbridled neo-Nazi bigotry, disgusting that has been going on that has been grossly covered up by our so-called free press. Oh, yeah. That gets cleaned up. L- and there's lem- matter of the sanctions and also these uh, frozen parentheses stolen assets.
0: Let me uh, bring Richard in here. Uh, Richard, um, oh, boy. go, go, I, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I don't even know where to where to how to frame the question. So respond well, as you like.
1: Let's just talk about that last thing about the neo-Nazis. Um, it was Lavrov saying that Hitler uh was part jewish that created outrage in israel which has uh, uh, at least to this time heretofore uh, been sort of laying back uh you know on its commitments uh, uh you know to uh, what's going on in ukraine um first of all i i really do hope that the republicans run on um surrendering and running uh, from our support in Ukraine, I hope that's I hope that's a major campaign issue. Well, I, I
0: think they got well, a lot closer think- to that strategy with J.D. Vance's uh, win in Ohio yesterday.
1: Yeah, J.D. Vance, he didn't win. He's not a senator yet. Right. He won the primary. Right. Yeah. Let's see what happens. In this country uh, uh, overwhelmingly is in support of Zelensky and Ukraine. So I hope it becomes a—I rep- hope J.D. Vance makes it a campaign issue in, uh, it, you know, in his Senate race um, and, 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 and uh, you know, dissolving abortion. Uh, I hope that's what his campaign issues are. Uh, and so getting rid of Biden will stop our support for Ukraine. That's, that's two years away, unless we have another uh, terrorist attack at the Capitol. As for the Vietnam War, Nixon— didn't end it. Nixon ran in 1968 on what he called a secret peace plan and that the war would be over if you voted for him. The war in we we, we withdrew from South Vietnam in 1975. And as for the fact that it was so far away, what could we do? We couldn't supply ourselves. We had 500,000 American soldiers in Vietnam. Uh, Russia, which is right next door to Ukraine, doesn't have 500,000 soldiers in Ukraine. And to, uh, to put a patch over your eyes and say that Putin doesn't have uh, um, uh, future um, 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 missions to invade Moldova or to take over the entire southern coast of Ukraine, And uh, create a a Ukraine that is a landlocked nation. um, If that's not if that's not expansionist or imperialist, I don't know what is. I mean, he's they're already talking about that third country, and he is attacking Odessa and trying to take over. It's not just the if it was just the dumbass, I mean, I, I could have a very reasonable. Discussion about the Donbass, where there is Russian support, primarily Russian-speaking people. But this isn't about Donbass. It's about it's about creating a corridor from you, from you, uh, from uh, Crimea across southern Ukraine all the way to uh, another country on the other side. That's what, that, that's where we are, and to ignore that is um, is is ignoring the reality of the situation.
0: Uh, Michael, um, the, one of the points Richard brought up was something I was going to ask you about, which was the comments by the Russian foreign minister Lavrov regarding Hitler's uh, Jewish lineage, um, as a you know basically in response to the question of oh how can you say Zelensky is influenced by Nazis if Zelensky himself is is Jewish. Um, keeping in mind that you don't necessarily view Putin as the James Bond-style villain that uh, he's been portrayed on uh, overwhelmingly in the media and all of uh, the West, does do the people that, that criticize what Lavrov said have a point in your view? Was that a bridge too far for Lavrov? Hey,
2: um, I actually had an audit out yesterday at Eurasia Review. If you Google my name, Eurasia Review, you go to my column, you'll see it's my most recent article. And um, he didn't choose his words carefully. He's an excellent diplomat. It was not an anti-Jewish statement at all. It got totally twisted. He did not say that Hitler was part Jewish. He said, someone said, well, you know, how could Ukraine be neo-Nazi if they have a Jewish president? he said, you know, you know, you can be Jewish. I mean, so what? And, you know, he made a reference. You know, there are some people who say that Hitler was part Jewish. Now, what he was trying to say is that, you know, in unfortunate instances, people can find themselves doing compromising things. As I note in my article during World War II, you had the Kapos. Both of you might be familiar with these two very excellent movies, Europa Europa, which came out in the early 1990s about an about a German Jew whose family left Nazi Germany. Then when he was captured by the Soviets, in order to survive, he claimed that he was an ethnic German in the Soviet Union. So this guy served in the Wehrmacht, actually. And uh, then this recent release um, called The Survivor about a guy based on a true story. He would fight death fights in Auschwitz. So he would survive, but in turn, the person he was supporting would die. About Vietnam and Nixon, very quickly, the point is Nixon very much deflated, uh, you know, the uh, war there. And again, I have to emphasize this. The fact of the matter is post-Soviet Russia showed a complete willingness for a neutral Ukraine, but it was ultra-nationalists in the Kiev regime and their EU backers that were playing a zero some game. And uh, this cannot be accepted by Russia as well as the pro-Russian contingent there. And I don't think that it's really clear at all that uh, Russia actually seeks more than Donbass. But I will tell you this much, if uh, the Biden administration and, uh, say, his hypothetical successor want to continue this conflict, yes, more Russians will will die. And yes, this war will go on maybe a bit longer, but many more Ukrainians, make no mistake about this, will die. So they will take over the Donbass now. But then what does that mean? The regime still fights? The next step is they're going to be beyond the Dnieper River. What, the regime is still going to fight on? Hey, you know, it's going to be, you know, a further conquest, and so goes uh, the nation, uh, so goes the nature of war. So um, the best way to prevent this is to have a different, a sane uh, uh, presidential administration administration that is not looking to fight a parasitic proxy war at the expense of Russians and Ukrainians. And I also want to briefly mention too, because I don't know if any of you two are aware of this disgusting crime story that happened in New York, which relates very much to what's going on in there. It's in the New York Post, Frank. I sent you that article. Yes, sir, I don't I know read if it. you read it. I did. And I would be curious to see if this politically correct media with a comment on this uh, bigoted bias attack. In a Brooklyn bar recently, a Russian-speaking man was uh, harassed by a Ukrainian nationalist. Ukrainian nationalists approached him saying, you have a Russian face. And so this guy who was speaking Russian said, hey, I'm from Zaporizhia, I'm Ukrainian, I'm half ethnic Russian, half, uh, you know, Ukrainian. And then this Ukrainian neo-Nazi said to him, uh, well, speak Ukrainian. And when the guy spoke Ukrainian with a Russian uh, accent, he got attacked with a bottle. Well, uh, law enforcement was able to come, without, but, you know, this Russian guy, speaking guy suffered Injuries, And the Russian-speaking guy made a good point. You know, people who want to do that, let them go over there and do the fighting. That kind of behavior is evident in Kiev regime-controlled Ukraine, where neo-Nazis roam wild. Some of them are unappointed mayors. I can provide the specifics because I know a lot of people out there who rely on mass media. This is all being covered up. In the meantime, people who think along my lines our lives are in danger. Some of us uh, have been killed, imprisoned, beaten. This is not a democracy, and mm-hmm. Zelensky well, is not deserving of uh, accolades. Right? He's well, well for, yeah. I don't think anybody. I don't
0: think anybody listening would um, be okay with uh, somebody being beaten up for being Russian or speaking Russian. But I'm not at all. okay
1: with it either. But how do you know this guy is a neo-Nazi? He could be a thug who's overreacting. Was he what, calling everybody a neo-Nazi? Is it's kind of hysterical?
2: Uh, no, it's uh, not. And, if you know your history, oh, Richard, and that's know, the problem. A lot of really, people don't oh, know yes, their history. It yes, it is. There are white supremacists to neo Nazis
1: in the American military service, and over the past year, there have been a lot of articles about Richard. how we what we can do to root them out. Richard. and in and for you're and for, uh, talking about a guy who got a bottle in his face. We're talking about Putin who poisoned a doorknob so a man and his daughter would end up in the hospital, one of them dying, who uh, would send somebody with an umbrella with a poison tip to uh, to inject it into somebody to put uh, a poison into the underwear of Navalny and then arrest him when he came back to uh, uh, Russia. I mean, this—, this I, to me, I think this argument is absurd. There is the Azov or the Azov Brigade that does have neo-Nazi members in it. It's, it's about 800 soldiers out of a force that more, is much uh, more over 200,000. So, yes, it does exist there. It exists in the American military as well. And actually in Mariupol, in that steel plant where they're holed up, uh, as far as uh, as I know, uh, the soldiers fighting in there are a member of this right wing brigade. And that's one reason why they will never give up, because they know they will be summarily executed by the Russians if they do. But to say that uh, uh, Putin is not a James Bond type villain <laughs> after the kinds of things he's done with doorknobs and underwear, umbrellas. Oh, can I get a word in and- now? He
2: is a James Bond-type villain. Could I get a word in now? Go ahead, Michael. Yes. Okay, uh, the scripple thing, even a British court said disingenuously and ridiculously that well, we think the Russians did it, probably. They probably did it. I mean, what a court ruling. There is plenty of credible information indicating that another scenario could have occurred. You know, the uh, Russian expat community, former Soviet expat community in Britain, uh, a lot of them don't like the Russian government, but they have fights among themselves. So it's very possible that this guy, Skripal, who, by the way, supported Crimea's reunification with Russia, he could have very well well have been knocked off by one of these uh, rival uh, exiles, and the rival exile would kill two birds in one shot, get rid of cripple and have, uh, you know, the bad guy Putin blamed for it. Also, you know, they were right near a uh, known chemistry uh, place where Britain does these uh, experimentations on drugs related to Novichok. You mentioned this uh, umbrella incident. You're talking about something that happened in the Cold War era with a uh, Bulgarian in the United Kingdom by uh, uh, by the Bulgarian Secret Service. That was decades ago. The thing with Navalny and the underpants is uh, unsubstantiated, likely BS. Initially, we were told that Navalny was poisoned by, uh, you know, a tea drink that uh, one of his assistants brought, uh, brought over. But then the CCT camera showed that one of his assistants went to this concession stand and uh, this concession person, how does he know that this is going to Navalny or that that person is for Navalny? It was an unopened sort of uh, beverage and that looks very sketchy as well. In the meantime, I can give you a good number of uh, people, earnest individuals who have been killed or disappeared by this neo-Nazi regime. And I'm sorry, you don't think that that nationalist, the way he carried on in Brooklyn Bar is not neo-Nazism. We have a different interpretation of what that means. And in terms of Azov, let me tell you something about Mariupol. A lot of the people there are ethnic Russian and pro-Russian. I remember a few years ago, the BBC, the arrogant reporter spoke scornfully of two... Mariupol residents who are saying, you know, Russia and Putin are right, and the BBC reporter arrogantly said, of course, these people don't know what they're talking about. There's a lot of pro-Russian propaganda here, like he knows better than they do. The reason why Azov was sent in large numbers, and their numbers are much bigger than 1,400, by the way, Richard, you want to fact check that. But anyway, um, the point is this, they were sent sent there because it's a pro-Russian area, and they wanted a jackboot put on these people. What's really disgusting is how the media keeps referring to this so-called mayor of Mariupol. You know, that guy fled, and for good reason. And you want to know something else? He was not democratically elected, as is true with a lot of the mayors in Kiev regime controlled Ukraine. It's not a democracy. It's a corrupt kleptocracy. And there's neo-Nazism going rampant, and I can give you even more... All right, specifics. well, we've
0: got to pause. Richard, we'll give you the, um, the first opportunity there. to respond when, when we come back. Take a Quick break. Oh,
1: listen! I'm a neo-Nazi, too. They're everywhere. Every bar fight is a neo-Nazi. The, the people that stormed the Capitol were neo-Nazis.
2: Right. All right well, I'm not
1: saying that seriously. I'm just saying. Yeah, understood. We throw understood. this word around. It has no meaning anymore. All
0: right. Well, let me pause. It does when it applies, as it's true in that instance. Gentlemen, let me pause. We'll continue in just a minute. This is the other side of midnight. Michael Averco is here. Richard Bay is here. We'll continue. Straight ahead. It's
1: other side of midnight with Frank Morano, seventy-seven WABC.
0: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, in the midst of a very spirited discussion with uh, Richard Bay, veteran radio and TV talk show host. You can check out his podcast on YouTube. And Michael Averco, he's an independent foreign policy analyst and media critic. Uh, Richard, uh, let me uh, allow you to continue your thought and also ask a question. Um, one of the things that we've heard by a lot of people, no matter what their view on the Russia situation is uh, if they're supporters of President Trump, that we wouldn't be in this situation today. People who support a more aggressive stance towards Russia, folks like Sean Hannity said, say, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, that, uh, oh, uh, Trump w- was very tough on Putin. Putin wouldn't have tried to do something like this if he were president. Other people that think, that support a more dovish approach to Russia, they say, well, Putin wouldn't have done something like this because they know Trump wanted peace with, uh, with Russia and Putin rather than Aggressiveness. Uh, say whatever you want in response to the previous discussion, but um, do you think there's any truth to that? I know you're not a fan of Donald Trump to say the least, but do you think there's any truth to that—that that hypothetical that maybe if Trump were there, we wouldn't have seen this invasion? All
1: right, let me start with this. There is a definition for neo-Nazi. I would advise all listeners to look it up, and it does doesn't apply to every person that you don't like as much as some people uh, think that it might. Now, Donald Trump is president. Um, I happen to remember very vividly the most humiliating moment uh, of a presidential appearance or action since Bill Clinton did something with a cigar with Monica Lewinsky. And that was the humiliation at Helsinki. Where Donald Trump stood on a stage next to Vladimir Putin and took his side and said, Oh, I believe him. And did not accept um, the uh, American intelligence, did not accept what he had been told by his advisors, but sided with Vladimir Putin. I've also never heard Trump ever say, and and utter any criticism of Vladimir Putin about anything. I can't, you know, I could suspect why that is the reason, but he never has. Um, I think one of the things that we've left out completely are the sanctions. And the head of the Russian Central Bank is projecting that this year, um, their GDP will drop by up to 10%, and at least 8%. And if you think inflation is bad here, in Russia, inflation is projected to rise to 23%. I mean, it's taken some time. They've had some uh, reactions that have delayed the fall of the ruble and the economic impact of some of those sanctions. But um, but they are, But they are going to hit that economy and hit the country. And that's going to have an effect on the Russian people. And they might just sit there and say, hmm, is this worth Odessa? So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with those sanctions and what what Putin feels uh, once he starts to feel the heat. There are also rumors, who knows, that uh, uh, Putin is ill and may have to go in for some kind of surgery. Um, you know, uh, it's possible. Anything is possible when it, when war begins, because uh, it's a Pandora's box, as I've said. Um, Oh, and, oh, Donald Trump. Hey, listen, Donald Trump gets well, gets along so well with Putin. I think that uh, I think that Biden should appoint him a special peace emissary to go meet with. Remember Lavrov? They were joking in the White House. He was joking about firing um, uh, James Comey, the FBI director. And then he told Lavrov some um, top secret information that got the Israelis kind of ticked off. Um, He has no problem with Putin. He declared his love for uh, Prime Minister, President Xi in China. Of course, the love letters between um, him and um, Kim Jong-un are legendary. He has a great way of communicating uh, with authoritarians, vicious authoritarians. So we should have him, uh, we should allow him to negotiate a ceasefire a peace agreement, and the repatriation of Ukraine citizens that have been taken and um, uh, uh, transported against their will to Russia. I mean, Trump could actually win the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know where Trump stands at all anyway. He hasn't said... Uh, the only thing that I remember saying of, of the recent note is, oh, they should sit down and work this out. Well, Putin was the one who said, negotiations are over. So... I, you know,
0: uh, Michael,
1: I know where, do you know where Trump's you're a Trump supporter? Where did Trump stand on this? I mean, he said he was uh, against the Iraq war. Right, I, right,
2: right, 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 right. right. Very quickly. Neo-Nazi, new Nazi, you're wearing Nazi logos. You're doing bigoted things like that guy in a bar definitely qualifies as a Nazi. And Trump, in, in bar, terms, no? in That's terms not what of what it means. Yes, it That's does. Neo-Nazi means new Nazi. These guys are wearing Nazi patches, and they behave in a bigoted manner, a violent manner. They're, they're neo-Nazis. I, End of discussion.
1: Was the I, the bar wearing a Nazi patch? I'm sorry? Was the guy in the bar wearing a Nazi patch when he punched the other he guy in the nose? He said
2: that you have a Russian face, you're speaking Russian, and then when he didn't like the guy's uh, Russian accent... He took a swipe at him. Clear bigotry. We disagree. Let's agree to disagree and move on to Uh, the other points. Otherwise, the show is going to go down the toilet. So let me get to these other points, please, very quickly. I know we only have so much time. Now, you know, Marie Yovanovitch, you might remember her. She was the ambassador to Ukraine who Trump uh, fired. In a PBS statement, she recently said, you know, I think Trump would have averted war, but I don't think it's a good thing. So in other words, it's a better thing that Russians and Ukrainians are killing each other. I mean, that's a very ethical sort of way to go.
0: Hmm. Uh, Michael, let me just get you to weigh in on this one final question, because we're just about out of time, uh, but I don't want this uh, to be unaddressed. A lot of people have said, even folks that don't want American involvement in Ukraine, That if Putin were to use chemical weapons or nuclear weapons, that that would be a red line that would require an American response. Whatever you think about the possibility of Putin actually doing that, would you agree that if Putin were to use nuclear weapons or chemical weapons in Ukraine, that that would demand some sort of a response from the international community, including America?
2: Um, That would be a serious charge directed against anyone, including the Kiev regime, and there are indications that they could very well utilize chemical weapons. Um, Let's also keep in mind, too, what the U.S. government acknowledged, and much of mass media sheepishly approved. U.S. government said that a lot of the information we're releasing on Russia, Ukraine, has a good probability of being false, and parentheses, I think it probably means they know it's false, but it's being said to create a negative image to try to, undermine the Russian effort because this then goes uh, back to Russia so this thing with the chemical weapons, they've never shown a sign of doing it, we know about the crock which and Monte who you've had on this show has eloquently debunked about Assad supposedly using chemical weapons this Kiev regime is a racket it's full of like style over substance, overly propagandistic BS, Uh, we could do a whole show on that, I know you don't have the time
0: Um, So, again, if Putin were to use those weapons uh, and you were to be given uh, indisputable proof, would that be enough to invoke an American-led international coalition response?
2: Uh, chemical weapons are illegal, and I don't think that they have a chance of doing it. I think it's more likely the Kiev regime would do it because they're more desperate, and they're pretty good, it seems, at doing false flag operations. So I really think it's a, a non-issue. In terms of the nuclear option... That would have to be something that would really, really get hairy, and I shudder to think if it would uh, even uh, reach that point. But in the meantime, there is a good way out of it. We've got to get rid of these lunatics like uh, Biden. All right,
0: um, uh, Richard, we've got about 30 seconds. They're yours if you want to comment on a last word.
2: Everyone should just note that he
1: didn't answer the question. He just said, oh, it would never happen. But he didn't answer the question, what, would, what we should do if it does happen.
0: Uh, what if the Kiev
2: regime does it? Why don't you phrase the question that way? What if the Kiev regime does it? The Kiev
0: regime is committing a Gentlemen, gentlemen, you we're going to have to end it there. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. Out of time. Um, Richard Bay and Michael Verko, my thanks. You could uh, check out Michael Iverco at Eurasia. Just Google Eurasia. You could read his columns there. And uh, Richard Bay is on YouTube. Just type in Richard Bay Podcast. Keep asking questions.